0: All right, hello everyone, and welcome to Pixels and Profits, the Roblox episode. Today, we'll deep dive into Roblox's business and discuss the current and future outlook for the company. As usual, you have the Pixel Brothers, myself, Joseph Kim, Matthew Contrament, and Brian Peganoff. How are you guys doing?
1: Not bad. How
0: are you doing, doing well. I,
2: got, I got my first ski day into the season yesterday I'm in Denver so you know that's a very Denver thing and it's it's always fun when you go skiing in the morning and it's 70 degrees when you get home and I was debating going and trying to play nine holes in the afternoon
0: because yeah. it was
2: like you know one of those perfect perfect weather days for mountain sports and outdoors
0: yeah I'm here in Bangalore India and just waiting to get back to the U.S. hopefully before Christmas we'll see all right. So Roblox, should we just dive right in? Matthew, you want to kick us off and take us through the business? Today's episode is sponsored by data.ai to access estimates, for rankings, downloads, revenue, usage, or engagement for millions of apps on the app store and Google play sign up for data.ai.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll kind of give an overview of Roblox. And then I know Brian wants to go into some of the numbers as, as he loves to talk fundies. So basically, for those that don't know, Roblox started about 20 years ago as a, as a UGC gaming company, user-generated content. That's, that's really what's fueled its growth. It's now evolved into a platform with over 70 million daily active users. So that's that's an enormous number. They stopped reporting MAUs, but it's probably north, well north of 400 million, possibly getting close to 500 million at this point. But it depends on kind of how you want to think about DAO to MAO attach rates versus historically. They get over 60 billion hours of engagement on the platform per year, which is you know, just kind of a really interesting thing to think about. To put that in perspective, every DAO spends about two and a half hours per day on the platform. That, that's very impressive engagement. And bookings are approaching $3.5 billion this year versus $2.9 billion last year. So you know, they're seeing the engagement growth, they're seeing the user growth, and they're seeing the revenue grow with it. Now, we're going to get into some of their concerns and cautions about that later on. Obviously, this was a company that was a key beneficiary of of the pandemic in terms of engagement and bookings. They effectively pulled forward several years of growth in that period. But what's interesting is that it has continued to grow uh, on top of those levels, as opposed to many expectations that they would mean revert and and kind of stabilize at a lower plateau at first. They've continued to grow off of that that accelerated period. And that's also been encouraging when you think about the future of the platform and You know, I think one of the things we're going to talk about today is is Roblox a gaming platform or is it a social network? And that's a that's a big debate in terms of how you think about its future prospects. They have struggled to grow profitably, and this is not unique for Roblox. This is a thing that's very common across, you know, these early stage tech companies. I mean, 20 years old is not necessarily early stage, but as a as a as a grown-up business, Roblox is still very young. They haven't really operated as a as a real company, more so than just a a platform for, for, for many years, and so it's they're still growing up on a profitability basis. Um, and if you look at kind of their, their EBITDA and their free cash flow, it's all attributable to stock based compensation, ad back. So, lots of questions about can they grow profitably and generate real cash flow. They have guided to medium term bookings growth of north of 20% Kager through 2027, which is you know, if they live up to that, that's going to meet, you know, rel- that's roughly in line with our expectations are. And that would be really impressive, I think. And more importantly, they really need to get more profitable. And so they're guiding to EBITDA margin growth of, you know, up to 300 basis points per year. We'll see if they can do that. Brian?
0: Well, Matthew, one, one thing I wanted to ask you about, one thing I did notice when I was going through the annual report is that it does seem like their analytics is actually not audited and that they they actually admit that there's a lot of fraud on the platform in terms of potentially overstating DAO and overstating engagement. Do you worry about that? Do either of you guys worry about that at all? Or is that something that you guys are not concerned about? I don't see it as
2: a major concern because if you look at individual experiences, if you literally just go in and track the number of visits that is on the website of any experience for Roblox, you can see the numbers going up. If it's not 60 billion hours and it's 59, but it's still the growth rates are the same, I don't think that matters too much. If it was 30 billion instead of 60 billion, that would matter. But that would be a significantly large amount of fraud that I don't think people think exists.
1: You can think about what Matt said about the the rationale between being a social network and a game. Both of those Investors do tend to look at Dow amount metrics as a source of truth and something that they, they underpin valuation to, but it'd be more it'd be more appropriate for a social network. I mean, you never want to hear that a number is false, but I guess it, it depends on which degree, right? If it's 2% or 10% or 50%, you know, 50% would be a problem and probably not so much somewhere in the middle. I think all these, a lot of companies struggle with good, re- good retention and, and population metrics, but you don't want to see something that's way out of line.
0: Okay. All right. Should we take financials?
1: Yeah. So Roblox did about $3.4 billion of bookings for 2023, and they're expected and comfortable with a $4 billion consensus booking figure for 2024. Uh, Likewise, for 24 EBITDA, comfortable with a number of about $500 million. Uh, With a $25 billion market cap, that equates to roughly 6.2 times forward 2024 bookings and about 50 times EBITDA. Uh, depending on how you classify stock-based compensation. So 6.2 times forward revenue, not super demanding, especially in the context of gaming and especially software. But you know, the EBITDA number is certainly uh, triggering for some, and that just goes with the rest of the market these days in, the, in this kind of grappling period with uh, profitability and, and, and revenue. We are at an interesting juxtaposition in the market where you know, maybe that's turning around a little bit again with the potential for rates to come down next year and things, and maybe we stop moving away from you know, revenue at, uh, at all costs. But still, it's, it's, that's probably the, the biggest underpin for valuation being a little bit uh, stuffy up here. So other thing to note is that Roblox was a COVID IPO baby. The stock is down about 40% from IPO and about 70% from all-time highs. Let's go pass over to JK for a little business overview.
0: Yeah, or maybe I could ask a little bit more about the financials. So Matthew, you had mentioned that Roblox is not profitable when you look at the financials, what, what do you think has to happen? What's it going to take for them to get there? And then ch- certainly they've kind of messaged that CapEx should come way down, things like that. But I mean, it, it seems like with this level of of loss that they <laughs> have, there a lot needs to happen. I mean, are they just going to have to just find new sources of revenue or how do you think that they, they, they're able to turn their business around?
2: yeah so i mean if you think about roblox they have a few major cost buckets and i think it's worth thinking about all these different cost buckets and how it flows through Mm -hmm. all of the numbers i'm going to talk about are on a non-gap basis so this is adjusted for stock-based compensation which i want to talk about when i'm done with all of this or we can talk about it later because it is a problem for this company and it's also adjusted for weird accounting stuff in terms of deferred revenue and deferred costs because for anyone that's a finance dork, there's stupid accounting rules that make you defer certain things to future periods and doesn't reflect the cash inflows and outflows. So this is all roughly a cash accounting perspective, and it gives a better sense of how dollars actually come in and go out of the company, right? And so if you look at their gross margins are actually you know fairly good. They have been coming down a little bit as the business shifts more to mobile from PC. And then and, and that's just going to continue as mobile becomes a bigger part of the spending pie but their their adjusted gross margin is is north of 75%, which is still really good. One of their biggest expense buckets is actually payouts to developers, and this is actually going to keep going up over time. So they call this the developer exchange. When you adjust for all those things that I was talking about, they pay out somewhere around 25% of all bookings to developers. And that that seems low, you know, when you think about, you know, mobile games, you're going to get what 70% after platform fees, but when you think about what Roblox provides, they provide an engine, they provide the storefront, they provide the cloud services in the back end. When you think about what you get for that 75%, it's not directly comparable to a mobile gaming company. So I'm not going to say that it's worth it, but it's not directly comparable. And those are trade-offs that have to be made. The other big expense buckets, they they manage their own infrastructure. They've built their own data centers. They actually recently built entire redundancy across their systems. And that was a big capex thing. And so their infrastructure trust and safety expenses, which also includes like, you know, all the people policing the chats and stuff. That's a big expense bucket. That's almost 25% of bookings also. Obviously R&D is is almost 20% of bookings. And then GNA is like nine, nine nine-ish, eight-ish percent. So and then sales and marketing is pretty small. It's not a ton. And so those are the big expense buckets. They're guiding to operating efficiency. So as a percentage of bookings, as they grow, they don't expect to grow a lot of those expenses as much as bookings. So the percentage, as a percentage of bookings, those lines will come down. That's what you want to see from maturing businesses, particularly in gaming. You see that a lot. You see these uh, economies of scale. So with all of the other expense lines coming down, they they probably, and they expect to see their margins go up, their profitability go up. The guidance is for hundred to 300 basis points of EBITDA margin improvement over the medium term. And if they hit that, I think that's really impressive and encouraging. In the past, there's been not, ex- not explicitly stated guidance from the company, but there was expectations that they would manage expenses better in the past and that they would see leverage and they haven't. And so it's really important that they do deliver on that. Now, The one thing they will invest more in is developer exchange fees. Again, this is the the payouts that they make to developers. They expect to see that number go up over time. They expect to pay out more to developers over time. As there's more profitability in the business, they expect to be able to return more to developers. So that's the one offset to the operating leverage is is these developer exchange fees. So we'll we'll see over time, again, and this is all excluding SBC, which I want to talk about later. I think that's a big problem for this company. It's a big problem for a lot of these You know, newer market companies, Unity, Roblox, a lot of them have egregious levels of stock-based compensation. But overall, if they execute on this model to, you know, of 20% plus bookings, growth, 100 to 300 basis points of EBITDA margin expansion, the business is going to be very healthy for several years.
0: Cool. So maybe I could just cover the basically the the overall structure uh, and the components of the Roblox business for those in our audience who aren't aware, but there's basically three main parts. First, you've got the Roblox client. And so if you have kids, you've seen them kind of jump into the client. And that's the program that players and kids use to play the different games, AKA experiences. And then the, the second part is Roblox Studio. So this is a program used by creators and developers to build and publish the Roblox experiences. And then the third part is Roblox Cloud. And so one of the great things about Roblox is they provide a lot of the back end, the infrastructure, all the things that you need to do to be able to deliver against a, a game or experience. And so with cloud, that's what powers all of that. And organizationally, the way that Dave Bazuki, the CEO of Roblox, describes the company is basically as eight companies plus central functions like finance and other groups. So Dave describes more or less the kind of like the HR and people group as the primary group meaning that they're putting a pretty huge emphasis on the employees and people. Now, whether that's just him saying that or that's actually the truth, well, I, I don't know. But so but there is that the people group, and then there are seven product engineering groups. A couple of examples would be the infrastructure group, which builds Roblox Cloud, the economy group that works on economy currency and advertising and things like that. Now, maybe one point of controversy, just to kind of mix it up and just keep things real that I can bring up is there does seem to be a little bit of a different perspective from Dave Bazuki and the internal messaging from, like Roblox exec- executives, when they kind of push this constant theme of running world class engineering teams and massive operational efficiencies. And you'll always hear them talk about operational efficiencies versus. Some outside folks, some of the developers on the Roblox platform that in hushed tones will tell me, okay, don't tell anybody, but I think the Roblox infrastructure is actually not that great. It's kind of, they're actually not that efficient, and it's actually kind of all held together with duct tape and rubber bands. So anyway, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm just the messenger. (laughs) But uh, yeah, there does seem to be a little bit of a gap there. Matthew, I, I think all of the
2: criticism of the infrastructure historically is valid. I mean, up until recently, pretty much every day it would crash at some point. Like the, the the platform would crash at some point. And it was just right. because of they weren't built for 70 million DAO. They were built for sure. 20, right? And up until 2019, they were on a smooth glide to grow DAO from 20 something million consistently. And then all of a sudden they spiked up to 50 and now they're at 70. And that was part of the effort to build all this redundancy in the system. I still think it's it's better now than it was two years ago, but I think you're correct. I think that they are playing catch up on a lot of these back end things that you know historically weren't necessarily a concern, but having pulled forward so much of that engagement and user growth, they've really had to prioritize that.
1: It's right. interesting though. How many companies have had a platform for twenty years with the main proportion of growth coming in the last three? I think it's pretty unheard of. Not I don't know of many, very many software platforms across the entire space, like data analytics or CSM or customer service type stuff that doesn't need a full reboot after 10. So it's a lot to be said for even working uh, 20 years later. Right.
0: And maybe a few words on the creator economics, but when we look at the creators, uh, kind of like some of the things that we're seeing is that the top 10 creators are making on average 27 million a year, and Roblox actually pays about 40% 40% of its developer exchange fees, as, as Matthew had mentioned, to the top 10 experiences. So clearly there's like high concentration at the top, likely parallel distribution as per you know many other game you know, ecosystems that, that you see that also creator number 100 is making about a million a year and creator number 1,000 is making about 65,000 a year. And Roblox claims to have over 20 million Roblox developers, but I think that's a little bit overstated because, like they like to say, that anyone who plays is uh, is a creator.
2: I think that number also includes people that make avatar items, like people that make shirts and okay. sell those, right? And so, you know, they're, they're, the the term creator developer is is quite broad. I think the number to key on for people paying attention is what you mentioned. I think this is an estimate from one of the sell side banks, but even so, if it's roughly forty percent of of the developer exchange fees, so the payouts go to the top ten top ten experiences. I mean, again, that's that's not different than, I mean, maybe it's a little more consolidated than like the iOS app store for games, right? But like, if you look same. at the top ten, like the, you know those are the money printers, and then it falls off very quick. Maybe maybe it's not ten, maybe it's a hundred, but you know you see the same economies of scale in the mobile game market that you kind of do on Roblox, and I think as As the developer ecosystem becomes more professionalized, right? If you look at the game fams, the super socials of the world that are building these these more upscaled, higher fidelity um, experiences, branded experiences on Roblox that are getting hundreds of millions of interactions, you know, over their lifespan as opposed to you know these little quick fire games that you know used to kind of dominate the platform, those economics are gonna continue to look more like the mobile market, is what is what I think.
0: Okay. So maybe we could talk about how Roblox is able to get out of this hole that they're in and grow their way to profitability. Matthew, what, you want to you want to take us through some of the growth opportunities?
2: Yeah, I, I mean it's, it starts at the at the at the top of the funnel, right? And that's Dow. And at 70 million Dow, like you know, you, you definitely there's room to grow, but you have to think about what is the incremental ARPU the in, or the incremental bookings potential of the incremental DAO that you're adding? It's very low. They're very heavily saturated in, you know, the markets that matter North America and Western Europe where there's actually spending power, right. For the in-game items or inexperienced items, whatever, whatever you're spending on. Right. And so in terms of, you know, and this is no different again than the mobile gaming, right. We're talking, I mean, JK, you you're in India right now. We've talked extensively you know, privately and even on podcasts about the growth of the Indian mobile market, tons of users, they don't spend any money, right? Relative to, you know, the the global pie of mobile gaming, right? And so I think Roblox is kind of in a similar boat where they can continue to grow the DAO, continue to grow engagement, but the revenue upside from just in-app purchases, the, you know, the pure spending power of those incremental DAOs is very low. And so this is where we start talking about additional incremental opportunities, subscriptions to monetize those, those, Uh, profitable users in in, in the tier one markets. That's that's one. Advertising, which again, I think if we're talking about Roblox as a social platform more than just a gaming platform, you're going to look at incremental opportunities, particularly advertising to monetize, especially in those markets where the spending power isn't high. And then lastly, what's rolling out next year is e-commerce opportunities, the ability to sell real world items on the Roblox platform. I think the biggest one, the most near-term one of those three is subscriptions. There's already subscriptions today. There's the Roblox premium subscription. I think it was like, I I stopped paying for it for a while because I I wasn't on Roblox a lot. I think it was like seven bucks a month or 10 bucks a month or something, whatever it is. And you get extra Robux every month. You get discounts on Robux purchases, but it's really just kind of like a virtual currency, you know, discount pass at that point. Right. And that's great. Like that's great for the platform to have people paying that, but wasn't really moving the needle. I think what's gonna move the needle, particularly for these more professional, larger development studios that are building on Roblox, is inexperienced subscriptions, which you know I think are still coming. They've talked about it for several years. Um, but you know, the ability to actually subscribe to you know a specific Roblox game experience that you like and get incremental items, premium items, early access, whatever it is, things like that inside of those specific things, it's almost like a battle pass for a specific game, specific experience on Roblox. That's going to really help these more professional organizations scale and become much more profitable and really drive more investment on the platform. It's kind of like, if you listen to Roblox, they talk about these flywheels, and I hate the term flywheel because I'm, I'm scarred by John Malone and Liberty, but you know, it really can become powerful in that sense. So you know, before we kind of move on to the other ones, which I think are a bit more speculative and, and take more debate you know brian what are your thoughts on subscriptions and other you know those those core opportunities to the platform
1: yeah i think anytime you have a, a large user base and you're shifting to a recurring subscription platform that's a huge tailwind for for the business it's really going to be about whether or not those individual developers at the, at the high end can show their players a good amount of value for what they're getting and then, you know, managing churn on the back of that. So it's one thing to be able to come up with a good subscription that lasts for, you know, four to six months, very respectable. But how do you keep those people coming back for years and years to an individual experience inside of a larger ecosystem? I, 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 I'm i pretty favorable to subscriptions. JK, any thoughts on subscriptions?
0: Yeah. Subscriptions are good I not, <laughs> not, not much else to say. I
1: bill you I every month, of. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so, and the and entire I guess, world
1: is shifting subscriptions. And, and the other yeah. thing that about subscriptions is like, if you can if you can show that value, you can continue to raise price. I don't know if people have been checking their credit card receipts lately, but, you know, Netflix, yeah. Apple, Spotify, everyone's taking price at like this tail, I don't want to say tail end of a bull market, but, you know, it, this is the time for tech companies to uh, induce pricing power and it's by and large work. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, I think the thing with subscriptions is that it tends to help over monetize. I mean, you know, I, uh, the one thing I do know is that, well, okay, so there's a rumor word on the street that there are some subscription services where, like, for example, ABC Mouse, where maybe over a half of the subscriptions are not active. <laughs> so, yeah, it does help you to continue to monetize whether you're using it or not
2: yeah, that tied, is good or bad. So this ties into the next opportunity, which I think is advertising. And and you know, one thing I've got to mention about the Roblox premium subscription is how that money some of that gets paid out to developers through what they call experience based or excuse me, engagement based payout. so the the more time that people that pay for that subscription spend in your experience, you get paid out more. And then Roblox launched this thing called Portals last year, which is literally billboards that you would stick inside of one of your games that you made that would take you to another experience, right? And so if I was, you know, a company like Gucci that made a famously, you know, good, really good branded, they made their own world on Roblox. If they wanted to stick a portal in some 12-year-old's little game, they could do that. They could pay for that. And then, you know, if you were playing in that little 12-year-old's game and you jump through that portal, you end up inside the Gucci world. But this is kind of at odds, right? Because you're telling people, I want to pay you based on how much time people spend in your experience. And then I'm going to tell you to send them somewhere else. Right. So it's, you know, and, and there's not a lot, there wasn't a ton of analytics in ad tech built into the platform to exactly understand the trade-offs between those two. And so I think as Roblox is focused on growing advertising, it needs to be bigger and more technical than just literally billboards inside of the platform. And I think those are coming. They've talked about building, you know, more advanced ad tech tools that I think, you know, I, I, th- I think in the, in the bullish scenario can, can rival, you know, what, what's used, in the gaming market today, in, in mobile gaming, maybe not as sophisticated or, you know, even the sophisticated tools don't work anymore because of Apple, that's another debate, right? But if, if they can give an experience to traditional developers that is more familiar, enabling them to better understand the UA costs and the ROI and the, you know, and, 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 and the lifetime value of, of users on the platform, you know, that could even be a way to entice traditional mobile developers to think about building on Roblox. I know, JK, you did a podcast talking about, Building on UEFN with Epic, well, you know, what if Roblox becomes an alternative platform as well? I, I don't think anyone's talking about that. I think it's very speculative at best. But, you know, if if these tools are successful and they can continue to, you know, build up that ad tech layer and really make advertising a, a bigger part of the business, that can get that can get interesting.
1: Yeah, if I if I compare and contrast this to the mobile gaming market, there were I don't want to say hundreds, at least dozens of companies that were pushing to include things like billboards or static pictures inside of games, and they didn't really have much of an impact, and there wasn't a lot of appetite from mobile gaming publishers and or developers to include that sort of stuff inside of their games, mostly because of what you just talked about, Matt. It's really hard to attribute those uh, visuals to the advertiser to reap any sort of reward that the publisher is willing to spend. The other counterpoint there is, and and this is especially brutal in the the portals case, is like game developers by and large don't want to detract from their own experience, right? So like even if portals are underfunded or they're they're not super fun and engaging, like what what do I get from sending someone there? Like an opportunity for my player to churn? Like what if those portals become really fun and something someday and then, you know, you start losing a lot of users to Gucci World? It's maybe not a super easy scenario to see, but any touch point that a company uses to point their user somewhere else is an opportunity to lose a customer and that's their most valuable asset. So, yeah. But that being said, if you think about Roblox and and the community, they've been able to garner over time. It's a very attractive one, right? It's a younger audience that they're, they're spending a ton of time in there. Advertisers have buckets of money to spend. They want to use it in new ways because the old ways are largely saturated and, and, Ineffective at this point, so you know it's. There's going to be some way to thread the needle and have a good experience in there, where you know the developers recognize for sending the player, the advertiser reaps some value, and there's an exchange of of currency there that makes everybody happy. It just hasn't really happened yet.
0: So, any other thoughts on growth,
2: Brian? Yeah, the last one I want to touch on is is what they're doing with e-commerce potentially later this year. So, starting in the end of 2024. You know, historically it's been banned to include links to anything outside of Roblox, inside of a Roblox experience or on the webpage or whatever. What they're going to allow developers to start to do is to link to real world websites to sell real world items. And I think this is going to be most powerful for these branded experiences. So, you know, my friend Jan, who I used to do into the metaverse with at Super Social, they just launched a successful world with Elf, the beauty care company, right? So they make beauty products. They're pretty popular with, you know, younger generation of consumers, you know, What's interesting, though, right now is building a branded experience on Roblox is no different than a TV commercial or a billboard. It's a branding experience. And although these are real businesses, this is just a vanity metrics thing, right? It's all about eyeballs and how many people you get it in front of. If e-commerce becomes successful and then these worlds start to become gateways for Gen Z and younger audiences to do their shopping, to start their shopping searches to then take them into the real world you know, of the internet effectively and buy stuff in the real world. Now you're, no, n- now you're moving the goalposts. You're no longer talking about vanity metrics, eyeballs, engagement. You're talking about conversions. You're talking about spending power. And I think this changes the conversation inside of boardrooms, right? It's no longer just someone in the marketing department with a small little budget. If this is, if this works, this is a material, you know, source of business for a lot of these companies. And then it it becomes a much bigger opportunity a much bigger focus for the boardroom and it shifts the conversation around the level of investment into the roblox platform
1: yeah e-commerce is is interesting you know it's hard for me to think of examples of games that have done it successfully i can think of a handful of games from my experience that have tried it and were pretty positive on it but it, it didn't work out for a variety of reasons we can we can get into but the tide is turning a bit on core search and shopping for younger generations, specifically on social networks, uh, Facebook eons ago, but more recently, Instagram and TikTok. And TikTok has actually replaced Google for a lot of younger generations in core search. Right. So like if you think about recipes, for instance, the, the recipes on Google are, are broken, right? You want to find a chicken soup recipe. You, you click like 40 links and you scroll through 100 pages of text to find a, 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 a recipe. Or you can go on TikTok and search for chicken soup and you can watch someone make it in 15 seconds and it's super easy and, and, and clear. Um, going back to the, the prior point, again, game developers typically aren't keen on introducing links that take people out of the core experience, which is you know worth, worth noting. But from an investor perspective, this catalyst in particular isn't something most folks will want to lean into and pay a premium for until there's uh, some some moniker of success, and, and that's totally fine if it ends up paying 15 20% more for the stock at that point in time, because then you actually have a national narrative to establish a, a bull case around. The other kind of lingering question is how is this going to monetize, right? So like e-commerce in general isn't a super extraordinarily profitable business, even for Amazon and things like that. Other parts of the business lift up profitability, but you know, is this just going to be standard click referral fees and such and, and, a, and a small, big paid back? And can that really be as big of a driver as sales of digital merchandise, where Roblox controls the entire ecosystem and platform? That's that's a big nut to crack. But if this can start being like that five percent of bookings story, I think it'll get a lot of momentum. But it, it's just a lot of wood to chop. It's very unproven inside of a gaming experience, but very interesting. I absolutely agree. Also- I don't think-
2: I don't think your cat in the background does. Just tuck their head way away from the but, top uh,
1: of my face. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I fully agree. And, I, I, and I've mentioned it a few times. It goes back to kind of the debate. Do you view Roblox as a gaming platform or do you ro- view Roblox as a burgeoning social network? Right? Because if, if you view it as a gaming platform, all of these things probably fail. Advertising, e commerce don't work in gaming. And I fully agree with that. If you look at the level of engagement and the way that younger users, like, what's the stat? 80%, 90% of the DAO are under 21. I mean, the, the goalpost shift as as the years go on, cause they just get older by default. Right. But it's a very young audience. And, and so if this is the way that, you know, the future generations are going to interact on the internet and socialize, this is more and more a social network. Then we start to think about these opportunities that are prevalent across the social networking ecosystem as opportunities, excuse me, I hit my mic <laughs> as opportunities for Roblox. And so I, I think, I think that's a big part of the debate is if this is successful, and then the monetization—I fully agree—we don't know what it looks like. But all the conversations I have, just about people excited about this as an opportunity, particularly brands that want to invest on the platform—they want to see this work because it, again, it moves the goalposts for them and makes it a, a much bigger opportunity for them.
0: Yeah, Matthew, I, I think like the the point on the social network is is at least it, it seems like that's exactly how they're viewing themselves, right? And I think Dave Bazuki has mentioned multiple times that his vision of Roblox is as a 3D social utility communication platform. When you look at the capabilities and things that they're rolling out, like the Roblox Connect avatar calling feature, they've spoken about how in the future they would like to enable kind of like in a very meta Mark Zuckerberg kind of way that the photorealistic virtual meetings and things like that. So like that potential for growth in the longer term future, I I think is there. And yeah, yeah, so, so certainly I, I guess those are some of the potential areas of growth for them. Maybe one other point of growth that I, I thought maybe that I could mention is, is basically the opportunity for, for supporting brands. So what, I, I have a friend who, who has developed a, I think, pretty successful Roblox experience and I was asking him about the size of this team. He told me they were over 100 I was like, "Oh, why? Why, are you, why do you have over a hundred developers? I thought Roblox games were just like these small teams." He's like, "Oh, but we need a lot of people to support a lot of the brand integrations that we do." And I was like, "Oh, interesting." And so, and it turns out that they're making about as much money on the brand integrations as they are from Roblox. So certainly, I think that there could potentially—I'm just theoretically thinking—if if Roblox is able to help support create a you know, more automated or, or or platform, so that you don't have to have a hundred people. Because I'm sure a lot of these smaller Roblox guys don't have the capability of of having a hundred people. But then to be able to connect to brands and integrate those brands into your experience, that may also be another potential area for revenue growth for them, in my opinion. So a
1: couple yeah, other it, side. Yeah, it, it's
2: it's 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 indirect for Roblox. So Roblox does not make any direct money from brands launching on the platform, whether they build their own experience. Where they do an integration into an existing experience they just play matchmaker and they don't take any money from that but as you said they make money from item sales from all the other ways that they make money so you know i remember what was that story gucci did a limited release of one of their handbags the dionysus bag this was back in yeah. 2021 i think and it sold for like more in robux than the real world value of the real world <laughs> gucci dionysus bag was selling for and these things sell for thousands of dollars like on the secondary market so you know that, that, that's how Roblox will make money from these integrations but you know the brands that are investing there's no direct monetization
0: right. from them yet. and maybe maybe um, I just don't and, understand it well enough but kind of what I'm what I'm thinking is like if there was a way to create a technology or platform so you don't have to have the hundred people <laughs> but you can help in integrate those brands and and way I don't yeah. know maybe it's a maybe it's not possible and I just don't understand it well enough but certainly no, it seems I, I mean like- I, I, don't,
2: I don't know the specific company you're talking about but like you know I think if what you're describing is kind of like you have this, this, you know, there's, there's tons of millions of creators on the platform and they build virtual worlds in many scales, you know, one 12, as I mentioned, a 12 year old can build whatever. And if a brand wants to integrate, they just need a way to reach out to that person. And if they're under 18, they probably need an adult to like sign the paperwork for them. Right. And so like there's companies that just sit in the middle and make, and make that matchmaking work. And I think if what you're describing is kind of being that middleman, that, that B2B connector, It's probably just mostly BD people, right? Not even developers at that point. If you're building worlds for companies, you know, depending on the scale, it can only, you don't need a ton, a ton of Roblox developers to build something. I'm not going to say minimum viable product, but something that's going to be respectable and and kind of, you know, a good example of the brand. And then depends on the scale and how you want to scale it from there.
0: You know, I'll I'll find out. I'll ask him at a later point in time and uh, report back here.
1: There's a, there's a couple other green shoots worth mentioning in growth vectors, the first being international, recently disclosed that Japan is growing in excess of 100% year-on-year, year. India, South America, lower ARPU, but massive user bases. So those are, are worth keeping an eye on. The complexity there is mostly around localization. And if you've spent time in the games industry, you, you know that it's a lot different than just kind of changing languages and things like that. It's a lot deeper deeper. There, it goes to core design of games. It goes to art style and cultural differences and, and things like that. And also, like PlayStation just launched not too long ago, which you know obviously helps the Japan, given how how cemented that brand is in, in Japan. Something like fifteen million downloads over a few weeks post launch. So, other other things to just keep note of.
2: Cool. Um, Yeah, I mean, and I I know I'm looking at our notes, the next thing you want to talk about is AI, but AI plays a major role, international translation, localization, because historically, that was all manual, right? That was literally just people translating stuff and localizing stuff. But if, if we can make AI successful at localization and translation, that's a huge reduction in the cost burden on the developers to do that. And it's, it's a really good way to expand into the non English speaking world for a lot. Like, I remember they I think they talked about Indonesia a few quarters ago, how like they started localizing into the local Indonesian languages, saw a huge uptick in in Dow from the country. So, you know, it's now the monetization is a different question because these countries don't have the spending power. But in terms of the Dow growth, it's clear that when they localize and have translation and localization, they see upticks in Dow. That, That is absolutely proven and that's likely to continue as they do more of it.
0: Yeah, and I, I kind of wrote a list of some of the AI initiatives that I, I saw through the various, you know, notes that I saw. But some of the things that I saw was one, the material generator, where you can a- automatically produce various materials in your experience. Code assist, which is a way within Roblox Studio so that you can learn and improve coding. They also have AI documentation where in Roblox Studio you can you can basically generate natural language queries, like, you know, how do I Monetize my game. How do I improve this feature? And you automatically will get summaries of existing documentation. There's also real-time machine learning-based chat translation, automated content moderation, as you already spoke about, Matthew. Also, avatar expression for Roblox Connect, so that you know your avatar would potentially have the same kind of expression as as you do. And then coming up, it seems like they were working on real-time voice moderation, which would be interesting and. For anyone who's played shooter games, quite useful. (laughs) And then also taking 2D photos, turning those into 3D avatars. And then something called Helix, which is conversational AI on top of Roblox Studio. So basically, creators would be able to talk to Roblox Studio and say, give me a city scene in the 1820s, whatever. And also that kind of conversational AI that could be integrated into NPCs, similar to existing conversational AI and PC companies like Enworld or Invey.
1: The um, other, other one to note that I saw is a virtual proxy. So you, you know, you think you're so busy that you have a virtual proxy that can do automated tasks for you and things while you're away, which sounds kind of uh, dystopian, like an auto battler of sorts, but, but here we are. Uh, I think, you know. The AI story for Roblox, I don't think can be ignored. This is one of the themes that I'm watching just broadly across TMT for 2024 is is how companies can eloquently integrate chat technology into existing platforms. And so for Roblox, uh, I'm not sure this is a revenue driver. I'm not privy to how they're going to charge for these things for content generators or whatever else. But what it does do is it's a a (laughs) prolific of uh, of of content, right? And, and that can be pretty powerful for a business like this because that's how they you know they make their money. They make their money on content and new experiences. So if that can be easier to generate with a lower skill cap, suddenly your your funnel for creators has exploded. You just need the DAO to be supportive of of engaging with and monetizing that content. So certainly something to keep an eye on. And you know this alongside companies like Unity or Adobe, the folks that are able to turn this on a dime and monetize it in some way or fashion are going to see, uh, I think, rewarded in 2024 in the markets.
2: I definitely see it as more of an efficiency tool for Roblox than as a revenue generating tool, at least in the, you know, kind of medium term, right? I mean, trust and safety, right? Historically, they literally just had to have armies of people. And then they did some with machine learning and whatever. But historically, it was, and it's no different than Facebook, right? Armies of people just reading stuff and moderating it if they find bad stuff, Right. You know, the more of that that you can automate, the more of the content generation that you can automate. You know, I think that the, the the demo video they showed for the generative AI tools for asset creation was like you literally just typing, "Put a car in my world." No, make it like a Corvette, and now make it red, as opposed to having to know all the code and what's the coding language for. I think it's Luo, Lua, like whatever. Yeah. I forget what it's called, but. Everyone hates the coding language of Roblox. And so you know the ability to not have to deal with that and not have to learn a new coding language and do a right. lot of it just with normal English, not unique yeah. to Roblox in a sense, that's, that's happening on a lot of different platforms, but is a powerful efficiency tool.
0: Yeah, it's a modified version of Lua. But I think, Brian, to your point, and maybe the revenue driver part is... Whatever you're calling prolification or whatever it is. Proliferation. I just (laughs) proliferation. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, like I I think like to, to the point where you have that proliferation where because of AI, you're able to take some audience that doesn't know Lua and turn them into creators and to be able to like, you know, close the loop on creating more experiences. So then you have more experiences, also having creators be able to more quickly develop even more experiences that could potentially then have more engagement, more revenue and things like that. So I, I, I can see that as, as potentially very helpful for them and AI just as a, I mean, the primary, one of the primary applications of AI is, you know, generative content and things like that. So if, if you can't help, I mean, and as a UGC platform, you, you think that Roblox should be one of the main, you know, main beneficiaries of, of AI technology, but
1: yeah, we'll see. It's, it's, right. it's not just the proliferation of content and the monetization as, as a backdrop, but also substantial cost savings, right? That just given what Matt talked about up front, how mm-hmm. much they spend on content moderation and right. uh, making yep. sure their users are safe. I mean, this could be a, a very big tool for them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think this ties into challenges. I think it's a good place to go next because one of the big ones is this is a business built on young users. And if we know anything about regulators, they're very attuned to the type of content that young internet users are exposed to, right? That's a big part of the reason that many people want to ban TikTok in the U.S. It's a big reason that, you know, the EU is cracking down on Facebook and other platforms. It's it's the type of content advertising, but also just regular posts that are exposed to young users. That's a big risk. And so, I you know, they've done a lot of investment and a lot of hard work in, in content moderation. I think AI plays an increasingly big role in their ability to continue to scale the platform safely and avoid some of that geopolitical risk.
0: All right. And in terms of other challenges, what do you guys think? What, 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 what's going to potentially kill these guys?
1: I don't know about kill. Yeah. You've (laughs) got
0: to start with,
2: you've got to start with a competitor set, right? You can't talk about Roblox without talking about all these other companies that are trying to build the next iteration of social platforms, 3d real time enabled social platforms. So Epic, what they're doing, Meta, Facebook, but what they're doing with Horizon and other initiatives right it, you have to think about how does roblox stand up grow in a world where these companies are also investing right you saw recently epic launched uefn which is their ugc platform we saw them you know they're coming out in the next few days they've got these other non fortnite experience you know non br fortnite experiences right so the, the music one with m M&M, and they've got the lego thing right they're trying to expand beyond being a battle royale fortnite single game company with all of these initiatives, if they're successful, that's a big risk to to, to Roblox for sure. And then Meta is still in the early stages of whatever they're doing with Horizon and their their metaverse initiatives, right? If that's successful, they've got much deeper pockets than Roblox does, right? That's also a huge risk.
0: Yeah, but I mean, do you think there are many more competitive platforms besides those two? It seems like those two are it. And you've got on the one hand Epic potentially competing more from the gaming side and then meta competing more from the vision of a future you know kind of social platform side but i mean besides those two i i I don't know i I don't think there's anyone else that is really viable unless microsoft
2: would be there just because they will be they have enough you know of the core pieces to be there when they want to you know if they continue to be focused on building a consumer business which even after the trials and tribulations of gaming the last several months and how bad a lot of their releases have been, Satya's focused on growing a consumer business, right? And, and so I think that's a big part of potentially what they're gonna do, you know, down the road after building a mobile business, which could just be antitrust nonsense, but we'll see. You know, so I think Microsoft could be there. Tencent, right? We can't we have to think globally as well. Tencent will be there. Ike Dance potentially, though they're scaling back their gaming ambitions. What does that mean for? you know, what they're doing with VR and the metaverse. So I think there's a global competitor set beyond just those big two that we have to be concerned about. And again, all of these companies, much deeper pockets than Roblox.
0: Got it. All right. So I've been waiting for you to talk about stock-based comp. You want want to hit that, Matthew? And, you know, in honor of Charlie Munger (laughs) in his passing, maybe you could give it a little extra spice. Stock based compensation by, you
2: know, in a vacuum is not a bad thing, right? You need ways to compete and retain and attract talent. I understand that. The problem with a company like Roblox is it doesn't generate cash flow to offset the dilution by buying back stock. And they're paying out, I'm just looking at my numbers, 30% roughly of bookings is stock based compensation right now. You know, basically, I think what that equates to is a couple percentage points of dilution every year. So every year, your investment as a percentage of the company. Is going down by a couple percentage points because of how much they're giving to the the employees of the company right now there are lots of companies that do lots of spc but they're profitable and they generate cash flow and they can buy back stock to offset that look at ea for example right this is one that i think has been very well managed from a cash flow perspective for several years you know when when blake came in 2016 2017 brian right and kind of really took a fine knife to the model there you know even though they're paying out SBC, it's it's not as nearly as much as percentage of revenue as it is at Roblox. But they're also generating cash flow. They buy back stock every year to more than offset that, so the total share count actually comes down. Cisco, another great example of a company that does this, right? And so I think I think when you look at the scale that it's happening at, and the fact that they don't have the finances to offset that dilution, you just have to think about that in your investment thesis. That that every year your stake in the company is going down because they're giving free stock to insiders.
1: Yeah, we, we've covered SBC in a few other episodes. I'm like, not really sure what rack them off the top of my head, but the buybacks are certainly a great offset. And then the notion that, especially for like consumer and B2B software, the growth is so robust that over time it becomes just much far less of a concern because your employees don't scale nearly as hard as revenue does. But we're not quite there on, on Roblox. Like if you think about like a good rule of 40, Type business Uh, right now, Roblox is a rule of twenty, right? Like, first forecastable growth of ish twenty percent next few years, but you know, EBITDA is is you know zero uh, and it's growing zero. So that that's probably the one that will cause the most investor distaste. And you know, for now, uh, Roblox is more of a a trading vehicle. To be honest, it's 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 not one that you want to just as a retail investor or or whatever try to time and things like that. You'll get your your face ripped off, but you know, over a long time period, like Matt mentioned, this actually does have a pretty demonstrable impact on numbers and how much of the company that you own. So, certainly something to keep in mind.
2: And I guess cool. this all ties into the valuation and how we think about it as an investment, because we are the, the profit bros on this side, right, Brian and I. And I think you, know, you kind of let off in the beginning. You talked about the valuation, you know, six ish times twenty twenty four bookings, not egregious compared to like the gaming sector, but the fact that EBITDA is Single-digit percent EBITDA margins, and most of that is stock-based compensation addbacks. You know, there's really no profitability, and so that's that's a tough pill to swallow. You're paying whatever 50 times, 20 24 EBITDA, but I think the, the the range of estimates is really wide. So you know, we don't really know what it's going to look like depending on how fast they generate these operating efficiencies, right? And so I think I think earlier this year, when the stock was you know sub 30 before it went up 50% year to date, you could say. Even with all this dilution, it's still pretty attractive on a relative value basis. Plus, as you mentioned, it's a trading vehicle, it's high beta, it's a common arc stock, right? You know, it's this sort of thing that in a bull market mentality, it's going to do well. Earlier this year, you looked at it and said, you know, this could be attractive. But after going up 50% year to date, you know, valuation, if we're questioning it, it's probably too high to be an entry point, right? And and you have all these negative factors, the dilution, et cetera, and these options you know, these growth options that are just call options. We don't know what they look like, and it's hard to, you know, model them until we see results from them. It's hard to say that it's a screaming buy
0: at this point. Should we, should we end with future outlook? <laughs> what, do you, what do you guys think?
1: You know, last quarter, they, they did show investors in the street some proclivity to, to move the needle towards profitability. And I think they were rewarded for that for a time. It's going to be a continued challenge for them to keep that narrative alive while maintaining growth. Uh, I, I, I would assume that folks are, are certainly on the sidelines waiting for some more validation of that, but that it, profitability is a focus for them. And, you know, the big mover of the stock will be if some of these growth opportunities that we talked about, specifically advertising, subscriptions, and e-commerce, if those can show an inflection and become a material part of bookings, or at least show the early signs that can be, then I think, you know, there's some potential for this to be more of like a 30, $35 billion company, which would be a pretty pretty solid return. That's a, you know, 30, 40% rip, give or take. But you need to see both. Continued profitability or, you know, movement towards profitability and some new growth vectors to uh, assuage the concerns that this is just a product that's been fully saturated in markets that matter, like Matt said earlier.
2: Yeah. I mean, if they execute on the model, they're going to be what? Roughly 7 billion of bookings by 2027 and EBITDA margin 15 ish percent, right? So you're talking about EBITDA at that point of over a billion dollars, right? That's decent money. Even if you then add back stock-based compensation, they're probably generating cash EBITDA that's still positive at that point. Like That is an interesting story, but I think a lot of that is priced in at this point, right? And that's kind of the base set of expectations and stocks are a game of expectations, right? And so what's, what's the incremental upside to that that's going to get you beyond that base set of expectations? That's why I'm kind of a little bit more cautious now than maybe six months ago.
0: Yes. So for me, I, I love the product. I hate the business. I hate their stock-based comp, hate their just general approach to, in my opinion, financial irresponsibility. So I I hate them today, but I I do think that, you know, AI is kind of set up to save these guys. And so I I think in the (laughs) the longer term, I think they get saved by AI personally.
2: I'll also just lastly round it out by saying there's a non-zero chance that someone looks to acquire them, right? What is Microsoft's metaverse strategy? They have yeah. Minecraft, right? But, you know, or, or some other large company, you know, now that the antitrust gates are broken with Microsoft buying Activision, anything is really possible. It's not inconceivable that someone throws a bag of money at them and says, you know, be our metaverse company. Now, Dave Bazuki and his family control like two thirds of the voting power plus or minus. So they pretty much have all control over decisions like that. So it's. It, I think not only financially it needs to be an attractive offer, but it needs to, he wants to build Roblox in his vision and he wants the independence to do that. So it has to be an organization that's going to give him that independence and that structure to do that.
0: And that's, I think, more of a challenge than just the money. All right, guys. Well, I think that's just about it. Unless there's any other final comments from you guys. Nope. All right. Well, in that case, there we go. The Pixel Brothers on Roblox. And for our audience, we will catch you next time. Bye, everybody.